why a doomed spacecraft just crashed into an asteroid. Spoonbender Uri Geller says good aliens will reach Earth first and could live in UK. This is one of my favorite ways of getting into space, specifically to get stuff into space. We are the most listened to podcast in space. A new company called Swedish International Space Asset Acceleration Company. Very catchy name. And I had to get it out with the help of a frying pan. What? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> everything is new today. So hi and welcome to episode 30, to episode 34 of the Tech Review, a special edition today because it is World Space Week. Every two weeks we gather to discuss the hottest topics from technology, innovation and social media. And on camera three today, we have Vincent, on camera two, we have Henrike. On camera one, this is me. Hi, I'm Tarek. And if you want to join, of course, you are very welcome to join the live chat if you're watching this live right now. The Tech Review is a collaboration of Ideas Engineering, Free Tech Academy and Update.com. And of course, you can watch us live on YouTube or recorded on YouTube, but if you prefer to just listen to our wonderful voices while you're working out or driving a car or flying through space, which is of course a possibility, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and on all major podcast platforms. So what happened in the past two weeks? I love the new music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got feedback from and Alex and she said um, the the, the the old music was very aggressive and very loud. So I thought, let's take something new. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Yeah. And also I have it now on, on my uh, soundboard here, so I can mix it in or out afterwards if I think it's too loud or not loud enough. <laughs> yeah, and I got uh, <laughs> feedback in the chat. Alex is always right. <laughs> that's why she is uh, head of fucking everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I would I would say that we are the most listen listened to podcast in space. Prove me wrong, <laughs> chat. <laughs> I would like to say this as well, but I think NASA also has some podcasts, right? <laughs> so I could imagine that they are maybe more popular I, in space. I would like to see NASA, if you're listening to this, drop us uh, your analytics to prove that actually astronauts <laughs> listen to it. This could be a and challenge, tech right? In your social media. Maybe <laughs> if, we, if we if we uh, call out this often enough, uh, we can make some astronauts listen to this and then um, we can create these statistics that we can actually claim the most listened podcast in space. <laughs> I, would, I would be absolutely fine also with just a podcast listen in space, right? <laughs> if one of the many astronauts listening today uh, would get, get, drop us again a, a direct message to uh, tell us that they listen to us in space. I would heavily vote for including this in our logo. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Because, I mean, I don't know, but I, I've never heard of podcasts being listened to in space. I'm sure there are some, but um, I mean, being part of this very unique group of content listened to on spa in space, I, I mean, it's very... Uh, I, this would be, uh, I would say something I um, I would put in my in my Insta bio. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, um, this topic becomes more and more relevant, right? Because right now we are only talking about 
low earth orbit people in space are usually people people uh, living on the iss for example but now that we are actually talking about colonizing the moon and building the moon base uh, i'm not sure how far um, our radio like normal shortwave radio length uh, goes i don't think you can uh, get this on on the moon so i'm not sure how well the internet connection is how, how well the internet connection works on the moon base and if they are going to use like uh, Elon Musk's Starlink satellites that are then going to orbit the moon, I guess. <laughs> so I, I really don't know if uh, we have to... I'm pretty sure they have... I mean, this is something they really have to take care of because otherwise probably no one wants to be on the moon. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about being on Mars if there's no internet connection and sure. like, no possibility to yeah. I was, stay in touch. I, I was under the impression that um, Voyager is uh, transmitting content that we put in there when Voyager launched via radio frequency. So my question would be, can we receive Voyager? If I'm so, not... I mean, we know that this actually is quite a very long distance communication. I'm not sure if Voyager is actually transmitting. I mean, Voyager has this um, this golden disk with data on it, but I'm not sure if it's actually transmitting anything. Ah, okay. Well, I told a lie live. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I did. I got. I, honestly, I thought that it's transmitting. This is but, something. But I still, I tell you next time. <laughs> but yeah, but figure still, it out yeah. for the next. Uh, right. Special. Space right. Special. Right. Next year. And in, in terms of <laughs> internet coverage in space, I think isn't this exactly why Elon Musk built? Uh, not SpaceX, but uh, the Starlink satellite network in terms of uh, internet connectivity in, in space, like as a prototype for um, internet connectivity on, on other planets. Usually whatever Elon Musk is doing is in preparation for his uh, his country house on the Mars or, or moon or wherever. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't Could know. Be. Yeah, another thing Actually, that we should ask. Classic Elon. <laughs> <laughs> he's going when he sees this episode. He's going to laugh about us. Like, oh, they are they are talking about internet on the moon. It's it's. I'm already there. It's all done. <laughs> <laughs> all taken care of. But then, good for us, so that um, also maybe we have to approach the civilians like going to space. It's maybe much likely to already get them as listeners before they actually become astronauts right. and then they take that with them up there exactly yeah yeah okay. <laughs> so we are already That's working on this yeah. so what happened in the past two weeks the first article comes from me and this one is i read on cnet on cnet.com a very interesting article which you definitely have heard about and this is about nasa's dart mission why a doomed spacecraft just crashed into an asteroid and i really really like this story because we are talking about this first actual experiment of a how, how do you say it an interplanetary defense system or an outer space defense system and we we all saw so many science fiction movies about this topic we are expecting some asteroids falling down onto earth and destroy humanity as they did um with the with the dinosaurs right and so we are now planning how can we remove now uh um, move the flight path of an asteroid while it is approaching earth 
And I, I did not really believe in this when I first read this because these satellites are very, very small and not that heavy. Um, the specs are uh, from the start satellite 610 kilograms. So it's, it's, it's heavy, but it's not as heavy as the asteroid, for example. And the idea is that DART, which stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test, um, that this thing is deliberately crashed into the approaching asteroid. And this impact will then redirect the asteroid into a different path. And it sounds, for me at least, ridiculous that this will actually save us. Because usually when we watch Armageddon, for example, these asteroids in Armageddon, they are planting nuclear bombs on this asteroid to really push it away. Or what, what was the plan? Like, it should not be broken apart because then the individual pieces will destroy Earth, but it needs to be, like, pushed very hardly. And in this, the, the scientific background of the DART mission is that we push it less, just a very, very little bit. They are talking about minutes, like astronomical minutes. But because we are doing this very, very early, and this thing is still very, very far away, this slight adjustment of the flight path will then cause it to miss Earth because it's still very, very far away and a slight change in course will then move it further away. This, of course, means we need to know about this very, very early and need to do these calculations very precisely because not that we are then moving it exactly into our flight path <laughs> because we are moving it into the wrong direction. But the interesting thing is that this, uh, the satellite um, is using camera systems and is steering autonomously. So it is like aiming autonomously for this asteroid. There's not a pilot uh, using a joystick moving this this uh, the satellite while it's approaching um, this asteroid. Um, and this is a very, very interesting um, experiment, at, at least from, from my perspective, because uh, for the first time in history, we are really talking about this interplanetary... No, is it interplanetary? It's outer space defense system. Something There was something with defense system in this article. Where was it? Yeah. Do you have opinions about that? <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I think, I mean, it, it really gives me Armageddon vibes, like already did right from the start when it was announced, this this whole project. And I mean, also decades into space exploration and, and stuff, I think it's still super fascinating how precisely you can calculate this and make sure that these tiny little pieces out there collide, like you know, at a certain point in time and stuff like that. So this in itself is already quite amazing. Um, and then I also found it really funny seeing the footage of the actual crash. Like, I think this is one of the first times that actually everybody was happy about losing connection. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and having this fatal impact. It's like, yay, no footage anymore. So it worked out. Um, yeah, no, I, it's really, it's really interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. And they they also wrote um, in this article that usually when we build ast uh, um, these satellites and these robots for outer space, they are built for longevity and they have to stay up there for decades, for example. And this particular satellite was intentionally built to be crashed into the satellite. So um, it, it has a very different purpose and did not have um, this long longevity. Vincent, you wanted to say something? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I just wanted to agree with Henrique that a this is incredible, and I this gives me actually a very good feeling about a potential more critical kind of situation because obviously we could 
I mean, this this is something we need to see upfront many yes. <laughs> years, right? In order to to build a rocket that can withstand such a, an asteroid slash withstands maybe the wrong word, but can impact uh, its flight path. Um, and therefore, yes, I mean, in a sci-fi world, there's always an asteroid that nobody expected to 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 collide with our solar system yeah. from the local group. But uh, I don't know, it's much faster than anything we could do. I mean, look at um, uh, look at uh, Don't Look Up, um, yeah. <laughs> which is such, a, such an example for it, right? The Netflix movie uh, where I think they had like six months left or something like it. Yeah, yeah. But, to me, this gives me the vibe in the real world um, that we are able, more or less, with today's technology of being a type two kind of civilization, that uh, we have the capabilities already to detect things that might be complicated for us uh, or might, you know, be impactful for us and and work on a on a successful solution. I I, I like the idea. One question, though, I don't know if you mentioned it or if it's already said in the article, but do they already know now a couple of days after the impact if the trajectory changed as planned or um, have oh, they that's already... That's a good question. That is a good question. And I think at the time of the article, um, they said they are going to measure, but I, I'm not sure... Okay. I did not read that they said mission successful and everything is as as we want to have it. I guess it takes some time to measure the new course of, of this asteroid. Um, yeah, probably. But, or otherwise, I just skimmed this <laughs> skipped this uh, paragraph in the article. Yeah, but the the mission was successful in terms of they hit this asteroid. <laughs> so yeah. far, so good. <laughs> But yeah, of, of course, we need to know if the effect is exactly what we expected it to be. And uh, um, Vincent, you're, you're totally right. It's very important to make this test because when the real asteroid that is going to hit Earth will approach, it will be a very bad thing to say, yeah, we, we never tested this. We have no idea if it's going to work. And now if we see it does not work, we need to recalculate. Do we need heavier satellites? So we actually need to plant like a nuclear weapon on this on the satellite or do something something else yeah and, and so we have to test this yeah otherwise it's not worth anything okay yeah we have to to uh hire bruce willis and ben affleck <laughs> to do the job then. right we already have Sorry, a guys. tested crew for this exact purpose <laughs> <laughs> and now this we have a new transition because wow. people wow. were complaining that it looks like a soccer club or something <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> so, Henrike, tell us something about a Swedish startup. Yes, uh, happy to. So, there is this Swedish startup called Steelfold, and they um, published just a couple of days ago a press release that they will work together with ESA and um, a Swedish astronaut, former astronaut uh, Christoph Fogelsang, and a new a company called Swedish International Space Asset Acceleration Company, very catchy name, um, on researching if it's possible to bring industrial origami to space. So they have, um, like Steelfold, they already worked on that um, with regards to other products down on Earth, uh, for instance, to build like an electric scooter out of simple... Um, steel sheets that then can be um, 
with the help of a robotic arm to be folded into yeah, whatever you want it to fold it into. Um, and they now said this is actually made to be used in space because what they already see is, I mean, they need less material for different products. They need, um, or they are um, of a lighter weight and they, due to the fact that they do not need so much material, of course, the costs for material are lower as well as labor costs, um, stuff like that. Also, the whole process, you do not need to weld the steel sheets, you do not need to stamp or whatever. So the whole process is, uh, seems to be pretty easy from what they uh, describe. So now they want to test it um, with the mentioned uh, companies or, or people, whether it's possible to use, for instance, to unfold space vehicles up in space, or they also mentioned food storage facilities or whatever you can you know, imagine that could be useful. And um, yeah, I found this quite interesting because it's, um, it reminded me also of the, a couple of months ago, a couple of episodes ago, we had this example of Mitsubishi that wants to use, build antennas in space. Um, then we had also the wooden satellite and everything like using new materials or different materials in different ways and also building products in a vacuum and not down on earth. So this is like the, the third example, um, bringing that into uh, into the discussion. I'd love to know what this does. Oh, sorry. Tight. No, please go ahead. Tight. I just wanted to say, I would love to know what this does actually to recycling uh, in space, because this sounds to me like something, I mean, I don't know how the process is actually, you know, happening in the end, but to me, this sounds like if you can fold something, you could unfold something again. Um, <laughs> and then maybe, yeah, I know, but honestly, maybe, maybe you have a, you have a two shape pattern that this, the, the resource is bringing. So this could either be a hub, uh, for storage, but it could also transform into, I don't know, just an example. I would love to see what it does because to me this sounds like a great opportunity. So really cool project, and um, yeah, especially with like the antenna. Maybe maybe we connect Mitsubishi with them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so if you're joke, listening, Mitsubishi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but jokes aside, um, yeah. I, I definitely see that pr producing something not here but up in space is cheaper. So it, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially, um, and this is again an, an example where we see that this new drive for space exploration and um, space private space companies is driving um, innovation. Yeah, and and I mean we are we as humanity we are developing space technologies for seventy years now, and th this is of course always a topic. But now that we are literally trying to colonize different um, celestial objects and shooting planetary uh, defense systems out in, into space it's really a question of how are people going to live on mars for example and now we are talking about 3d printed uh, facilities or origami folded steel or satellites from a printer that then uh, are going to be shot into space with 
like a like a what was a throwing arm cannon or something like that these things and now um all of these things they have never been used in the past but it's becoming more and more relevant and also the question of how do we get internet connection to outer space we have um starlink we have the interplanetary file system so the number of really interesting space in inventions space uh um innovations is is really piling up and i really love it and since we have this space uh week that we have the space special i could imagine that we have to do this more often in the future because especially with the artemis program these stories are going to be more and more relevant for our everyday life yeah and i really hope actually what vincent just um brainstormed about that they take that into consideration during their research that it's not just the one-way thought of how can we build um uh, a vehicle like how much material do we need and how does that look like but also like the reverse um engineering yeah yeah <laughs> Thing like what what else could could we m make use of um and what else could we build out of it yeah yeah that would be, also, that would be what, pretty cool what a beautiful example again of uh, adaptations right uh from from somewhere completely from different and then uh, in this sector, we see this. I, I mean, I, I love how how usually innovation in these fields goes not by I have this brilliant idea and we wait for this one and only Werner von Braun uh, <laughs> type of person who has this vision, this extremely crazy vision, but how this actually is really connected to, okay, so what works on earth for some kind of problems doesn't matter what field it is in because origami obviously uh, i think the origin is art it's, it's great did any one of you touch moonstone yet no ah no. uh, so i'm the only one that's a very nice turnout <laughs> that's why you mentioned no, so, the story okay tell us about yes. it how was it <laughs> no no there's no story behind it but what i can tell you is if you ever go to washington and i mean axel springer is very active there so you might have the opportunity to go to washington um you you please i need to admire you to uh, um or to to advise you to, to go to the smithsonian uh museum for aerospace um there you can touch moon and and mars stone do you have any pets henrike also, maybe only temporary. So I just got confirmation. <laughs> I mean, oh, we, of course, go so ahead, uh, finish the story. No. Well, I had a temporary pet today, but you already know about that one. <laughs> the 2000 listeners don't, don't know about it. Please tell us. <laughs> I don't think it's that funny if you do not see the footage, but I had a little pigeon in my living room today and I had to get it out with the help of a frying pan. <laughs> what? Did it survive? It did, yeah. I, I was very careful, but it was really confused and it was exhausted. I was exhausted. And in the end, it was the only thing that helped, like slowly and carefully pushing it into the direction of the window so that it can fly out. Okay, yeah. But, I... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Was this your Was first that... choice of a tool for removing it carefully, like the frying pan? <laughs> You know, I was honestly, Tarek, I was the minute I saw this pigeon in my living room, I was reminded of the Friends episode with Rachel and the pigeon in the kitchen. And she used like yes. a big, 
a big, uh, what was it, pan um, with a um, lid on it, but I do not have anything in that size. And I was like, but this is such a smart <laughs> thing to do. But what do I have that I could use instead? And the only thing I had was the frying pan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are yeah. all innovative engineers, right? <laughs> so we take whatever we can. Let's let's make Gaiva this pigeon out of the living room. Exactly. <laughs> Also an aviation story, huh? What a beautiful transition. Yeah, it's, right. <laughs> <laughs> an unidentified flying animal. Object. <laughs> Object. <laughs> and now, this. Vincent, tell us something about Spin yes. Lounge. I was so hoping for this article to be first uh, because this matches so much better what what we spoke about than my other article um so spin launch yes so this is one of my favorite uh, ways of getting into space um because i saw a kurzgesagt video about it ages ago and i asked myself why don't we have this it's very similar my question why don't we have this very similar to the space elevator but that's a space hook um also no the space hook is very whatever it's it's complicated but why don't we have Spin launch yet? Yeah, it's one of my favorite ways. Spin launch is a technique and also a start a startup that, in fact, uses what you can see there. Maybe you scroll a bit down in the article, sure. you see another very interesting illustration. Yes, it's uh, a uh, it's a device that uses G power in the end to push things out to orbit. It's extremely cheap compared and easy compared to uh, regular uh, ways of getting specifically payload, not people, but payload into space. Um, and yeah, it uses this system of a wheel to push things out into orbit. They are partnering with NASA, also very interesting. <laughs> and and be yeah, because they had a few very successful launches and now um, it went through a financing phase. Um, and yeah, everything's looking great. And I just wanted to bring this today um, because I think that, um, again, in my opinion, one of the most futuristic but very close range in terms of engineering work um, we need to do in order to get into space, specifically to get stuff into space. Yeah. And then we are back at uh, topics like uh, Starlink. Um, do we still need rockets or maybe is this enough? Um, uh, or other things uh, we want to shoot into space in order to be maybe more connected or have other things. Also, and this is my last point, um, this helps a lot uh, with space debris. I think, Enrique, you brought this a few weeks, uh, a few episodes ago, right? We spoke about space debris and some some connection, and it's a big topic, um, specifically when we not talk about like the big missions like Moon or Mars, because obviously those missions appear only a few times in a lifetime, um, as, at least until now. Um, uh, travel to the ISS beside, and uh, obviously payload and uh, other objects moving into space, they create much more debris. And this would now change with this. So I'm really excited to see uh, when this will actually will be used. But then this, sorry, very last sentence, I promise, this could be, uh, this could be a very affordable solution and a very realistic solution uh, for a lot of the private sector, but also for a lot of countries to be part of this space rush. Yeah, 
And I think, um, especially for extraterrestrial, uh, like not alien, but uh, if we have um, something like this on the moon, for example, um, and we talked about printing satellites out of the 3D printer, I think this is a very energy efficient way to launch this from um, a celestial body that is that has low gravity like the moon it's very easy to use one of this these things to shoot satellites satellites from the surface of the moon for example into the moon orbit yeah and you do not need um fuel for this yeah probably <laughs> so maybe spin launch should also get in touch with um steel fold yeah, <laughs> please, yes. whether it, whether they can build that also out of their material um but yeah it's cool to see that they so you know like can move further with their approach because i remember that probably like a year ago or something we talked about spin launch the first time um so great that it's still kind of um yeah in the testing and hopefully soon they can actually work with it yeah uh, look, looking at uh, the moon base, for example, uh, st wait, what is it called? Stargate? No, that's a serious. <laughs> the other uh, one. <laughs> gateway, 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 gateway. So looking at gateway, right? Um, I mean, we just all like privately spoke about that we finished um, when it came out um, for all mankind. Yeah. And uh, the last season. And I mean, there the issues they have, right? A lot of them is we don't have the right. A payload uh, with us we don't have the right material we don't have the right all of these things in the episode before i don't want to spoil anything but in the season <laughs> before that they had very similar issues on the moon um and um i mean all of this specifically for something that's so close then the moon mars is a bit more difficult but this is something that we definitely could work with in order to actually send stuff like a postal system from one object to another uh, without a lot of uh, energy and waste. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think this totally. is crucial for long-term missions out there. Because, uh, for example, the ISS, it's already difficult enough to have stuff on the ISS, but in the worst case, they they get, go into their um, evacuation capsule and they are back on Earth, for example. But if you are sitting on the Mars, you re you're yeah. really relying on the stuff that you have there and having a 3D printer or a steel folding system and uh, like generic material. This is very, very valuable to have out there. Totally, yeah. And now, this. It is me again. Let's talk about the Artemis One. And this is a story that was supposed to be a, a better one because... <laughs> in the past shortly before the first launch window of the artemis one we said something like yeah next time we are going to definitely talk about the artemis one because then it will be started and will be amazing stories of um the the most powerful rockets uh, circling uh, orbiting the moon and coming back and everything and it has not started yet and so i brought this article from spacenews.com about uh, artemis one's launch plans which have slipped again and if you did not follow up on the story um it's it's not the first time that the launch was scrapped but uh, we had one launch window on september 23rd then another proposed start window on september 27th and the latest one i think it was on october 2nd which is from where we are filming right now two days ago and I, it did not happen again yeah and so now we come into this range where um the, the Artemis launch team actually has this problem that their start 
certificate, I'm, I'm not sure what's the right word for this, the Startex certificate is going to expire because the rocket is now standing for a long time out there waiting to be started. And so they have to move it back and recertificate everything so that they get another clearance for starting, Yeah, which is very unfortunate because every day that that we wait for this it's it's very expensive yeah and the last big problem was this hurricane of course that was um destroying half of florida when <laughs> yeah i saw these images and these videos and it's really horrific and uh, yeah but they they have their rocket bunker out there <laughs> where everything is safe yeah but we are still waiting for the artemis mission to launch and we are, it's it's really depressing yeah? um, one of the latest start windows was in collision with like the next spacex launch uh, where they um, had to they planned to move the spacex crew 5 um, out to space and so it's, it's of course like as we all know from the airport when we're sitting in the plane and we can't start because other planes also have to start and we have to get in line and with these uh, spaceport in cape canaveral it's kind of the same yeah other space crews are waiting for their time slot and so um, we, we can't just launch whenever we want. Yeah, so this space news is basically about we don't have news. <laughs> we are still waiting for the Artemis 1 launch. And I was really planning to do a live stream yeah, on, on TikTok because um, I, I uh, regularly talk about space topics on TikTok. And so I wanted to do this live stream and everything was prepared. And now it was for the third time that I had to scrap the live stream um, and I wanted to show like NASA TV and everything uh, live, and yeah, and I'm still waiting. <sighs> yeah, it's it's really unfortunate also because the media coverage of the first launch attempt was incredible, yeah. not just from NASA side. I mean, they always do a pretty good job when it comes to that, but also on European side, um, you could see there was. I mean, nothing compared to NASA, but uh, still there was a lot uh, going on. People were talking about that. You could read about it um, in social media. You could, uh, you know, follow along on different channels. So that was really, you know, unfortunate because a lot of people who are usually not that into space, they're like, okay, and now, oh, boring, next day, I forgot about it. Yeah, right. Because um, they're not used to... Um, these kind of missions that, that this is actually like how it's always going mm. like you <laughs> you know if, if you really plan a launch and it works on the first launch attempt that's a really rare thing to do but right. if it's just about any kind of satellite no one cares and there's also <laughs> no not that much fuss about it um but in that case you know it, it was great that so many people looked at it and, you know, wanted to watch it and everything. But, you know, the more unfortunate it is when, like, then nothing happened. And mm. then, okay, now we postpone. And now we have to postpone again. And I mean, all for very valid reasons. <laughs> um, and, you know, better safe than sorry, especially with such a prestige um, project. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's sad and it's kind of, annoying that you know we have to wait longer now and i mean now end of october i don't know if that is still even possible due to the fact that they have to move it back mm. to the vab but then there's a big launch window in november so i'm kind of hoping for that one right right the article <laughs> to, says to exactly out. november 5th yeah, by the way my my uh my soundboard has some more sounds like 
<laughs> Even the fail sound failed. <laughs> Everything is failing, <laughs> as always. Awesome. Enrique, I asked this and last now time. This. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, But no time for that, Vincent. <laughs> please, no. Vincent. <laughs> no, I last. Uh, it's fine. Thank no, you. No, please go ahead. We have time. <laughs> no, I, I, okay. Yes or no, and uh, Enrique. Uh, yes or no, Enrique. Uh, Okay. Yes or no answer from Henrique, please. Um, <laughs> sorry. Is this now like getting delayed more and more and more? Is this at one point interfering with Artemis 2 and 3? Or is this still, would you say, a time that we have issues with launching and everything, but we are okay and on plan for 2 and 3? <laughs> There is no yes or no answer. We also discussed this last time. I mean, at one point, Probably yes, it's going to delay it because obviously you need the results from the test that it is, you know, when it comes to the second mission, when it comes to building, um, you know, the, the second module and the third module, this is already like happening. So this is not delayed by that per se, but um, yeah, depending on what the data and the results of this first launch will be, this can of course have an impact then at one point so yes and no i agree (laughs) 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 and now this enrica please tell us something about uh, nasa and spacex yes happy to This time I also will mention the article. It's from The Verge. I forgot my earlier one. Sorry for that. Yes, NASA is studying whether SpaceX can visit the Hubble telescope or not. They partner on a six-month study on if that is possible and it involves also the Polaris program, the first private human space flight effort. Maybe not the first, it's actually the second because it's also funded by the billionaire Isaac Isaacman, Jason Isaacman. And if you've seen the um, or followed along the Inspiration4 mission, you know him. He was the mission commander back then. And now I think next year, the first Polaris mission is planned. So um, very interesting kind of guy who spent all his uh, money (laughs) into space now. And NASA doesn't want to do it themselves because they say Hubble is still in a good enough condition and still can continue for... Uh, a good amount of years to operate, at least until the end of the decade. Um, But it's still kind of, you know, decreasing in its orbit. Um, And the last time someone was there to to bring it up again was in 2009 and was part of a space shuttle mission. And since then, it kind of decreased. Can you say decrease in that regard? Uh, By about 30 kilometers. So, you know, like slowly going down. And um, it's really like there's a lot of question marks whether this mission could be possible. Um, It's not clear whether this whole mission would actually require a crew, which would be like the test with the Polaris um, uh, crew, or if an autonomous vehicle would actually better, you know, to do that, or whether it's actually possible for SpaceX to safely visit the telescope because i mean this is a completely different technology that has nothing to do with spacex and it's you know like from a 
from decades ago and um, can that actually work? And this is also the reason why they actually want to visit and actually test it out because you could ask yourself like, why the heck is that even necessary? Um, it's still working for a couple of years and there's no need, it still operates perfectly so far. But it's exactly the question, um, you know, can it work out that if there's like space tech that wasn't designed with SpaceX in mind can be, you know, re not recycled, but like re reused, mm, yeah, reused, reused, exactly, or, or pimped again to, to be something, you know, live even more like 20 more years or whatever. So yeah, this is basically the only reason <laughs> that's also mentioned in the article um, but I mean you could also think from like a sustainability point of view and also from a collaboration point of view because you know you have so many players you have so many products out there from different decades with different kind of technologies so it's not just about whether SpaceX can adapt to that but also others you know and vice versa yeah so um yeah. I personally, I love this project. I love this mission. But from a financial point of view, I am very surprised. I was very surprised when I read about this because now all the fuss is about the James Webb telescope and how James Webb is outperforming Hubble by so much. And so I am actually surprised that someone brought this this money into this project and funding this project of restoring, repairing, improving Hubble because it is outdated technology. And I, I would have thought that the moment that James Webb was uh, was declared a success, that they will shut down and ignore and um, abandon the Hubble telescope, even though it is one of the very, very uh, valuable assets in space that we have for, out there. But everything needs to be cheaper and cost-cutting, and we need the budgets in, on other spaces. spaces. <laughs> so I, I was really yeah. surprised to see that they invest in this project. Exactly, but this is also a point I think they mentioned in the article, because this is the first thing you think about. Like, But this is like old news now, yeah. you know, but it's nice to see that they still kind of want to make use of that, because Hubble, for instance, they sent the footage from the DART mission right. that we just saw. So there's still it's still you know adding a lot of value to to the scientific research that's currently going on. So yeah. it would be a shame to say like okay now you're too old. We focus on the on the young um, <laughs> on the younger gang and you're out of scope now. So bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And now this. Let's save some time because we are at Article 5 out of 10. <laughs> so, Vincent. We have 10. <laughs> yeah, we are, all, yeah we, we are all space geeks. And so we all brought a lot of stuff with us. I, I brought consumer technology uh, into, <laughs> into this, but with space. No, 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 because this is connected to another article. I did it in this, in this uh, I don't know, way. Uh, so I, I hope that it work work in this way because now I can present to you the the satellite communication thing and then later we I I don't think we will but potentially we would have heard about how different companies have different approaches about how communication works. Um, yes. So uh, iPhone 14, iPhone 14 Pro, they brought they brought satellite communication, the same for Apple Watch Ultra, and what they do is that they have a specific uh, satellite antenna band that connects to a satellite and then back down to Earth. And that's extremely interesting because 
there are two, as far as I understand, two different technologies out there to communicate via satellite. Number one, both of them are really low. I'll talk about that in a sec. But number one is the way Apple did it with a specific antenna that communicates to satellite, which is why when you see the the the, the animations of it, Tarek, please scroll down a bit yes. in the article, um, you will see that you have to point your phone at the satellite to actually communicate with it. It's crazy. And then you can send very basic pings of communication. Um, the other way is to communicate with an antenna that works like a mobile phone antenna, but on in, in space. So, and then you have a phone provider on earth to, to work with this. So this would enable global roaming. And this is actually what the telecom is doing. T-Mobile uh, actually partnered with SpaceX, who kind of can do exactly that. And the result of this is roaming worldwide, eventually being added to all T-Mobile US plans because as a roaming partner, T-Mobile can work with the coverage of SpaceX to then communicate with your phone. So wherever there is Starlink coverage, we know a lot of places have it, uh, we will eventually be able to communicate with the best roaming. And again, Apple has a different approach. Um, and I summarized just the two articles into one. <laughs> but, but I love I love that there are different um, approaches about this. Um, I personally think in the end, it will come down to the answer, what is the more potent option, right? Is there, will we have, will we see a big development in antenna band uh, development? We know Apple is working on their own solution, just like with the silicon chips. So we potentially could see that Apple comes up with something extremely innovative and, and makes um, communication via satellite with a, their own antenna actually kind of standard. And then obviously this would be the solution I think we will see in the short term. However, if we see that this is not happening because it's just too hard to do, uh, we potentially could see what well Starlink is doing right now with T-Mobile. It's the more affordable option. Uh, and therefore, I, I, I'm really excited to see where this is going. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, we rarely talk about this. We always talk about 5G, 6G, which is going to be uh, built in, in the next eight years. And this is always like the next quantum leap in mobile communication. But we rarely talk about how the satellite network is going to play into this. And I think it was basically only Elon Musk and SpaceX and the Starlink network that really made it like public domain, um, not public domain, like publicly accessible uh, t satellite technology. Before that, you only had in very rare cases these highly expensive satellite telephones if you were out wherever, like in, with military usage and, and these things. But today, basically, if you are on the with your van somewhere in the desert you can put your starlink dish on your on your van top rooftop and simply use it wherever you are yeah because you can reach the satellites and i could really imagine that in the future when we have probably two or three or four different providers of satellite networks in different um uh, coverage areas or bandwidths or however they are dividing up the space that maybe at some point of time this will be like mainstream communication network which is then the most convenient thing because we are shooting printed satellites into space with uh, <laughs> slingshot cannons and this will be very cost effective and maybe this will then uh, replace like the standard 
sending antennas that we have for 5G and 6G in the future. Maybe it becomes more available and more cheap. Imagine how much backwards this actually is, right? That we have antenna towers that actually in the end give us the 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 the, 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 the roaming or the, the, the strength of network. Yes. Yeah. So eventually um, I think we will we need to transition to this just because I think economy eventually will transition into a more automated state and then we just need a very, very high coverage. Yeah, true. And now this. I brought another article about Firefly Aerospace reaches orbit for the first time. And I read this in TechCrunch and this is something a little bit... I'm not sure if you read about this. It's, it's not high-profile news because it was basically the first successful launch of a new space company. But for me personally, I really like this news because it shows that the private space industry is still growing. We always have these uh, those typical players like SpaceX and uh, Virgin, which we read a lot about because they are conducting space missions every day. But now we have Firefly Space Systems and they are also in the game and they had um, their first launch they they had their first launch actually in september 2021 but this one was not successful because the vehicle exploded mid-flight so yeah it <laughs> did not work well but now um, they actually had their first successful launch and so they are now listed in in the um, list of successful private space companies and uh, yeah <laughs> all in all th this is actually the news and I'm looking forward to see another player. And of course, uh, more competition in this market helps drive innovation, right? And so we now also have to talk about Firefly Aerospace. But cool that it then worked already on the second attempt. I mean, SpaceX needed four, <laughs> five? Yeah, and I mean, it, they were almost bankrupt. So it was their last shot uh, in this yeah, right. really meaning of the word but um they now made it in the second try so that's pretty cool to see and yeah. it's an american uh, startup company or where are they from um this is a good question i think it's it's not easy to say because the founder i, I read this the founder i think he was originally from ukraine what was it uh max polyakov um I read this somewhere. In oh, here. yeah, it says there is a UK citizen but was born in the Ukraine. Right, okay. right. And the start was made in California. So I have to research uh, what exactly, where exactly this company is registered. I could imagine that it's, it's an American company, but I think it was bought Firefly Space Systems, which weren't bankrupt and was then reborn as Firefly Aerospace. And it was acquired or its assets were acquired by Max Polyakov's new sphere yeah so probably oh. not that easy to track down where this company is originally coming from because uh it was like bankrupt and bought and reinvented but i could also imagine that space technology became more and more mainstream so as you said before in when we observed spacex and their numerous failed attempts to launch it could be that in the future certain space technology components become very very well tested and so they are just bought and they just work out of the box and space rockets will be assembled like cars yeah like standard hardware and then we expect it simply to work <laughs> and now this vincent tell us something about link um, I actually, we can skip this one. I summarized it all up with the other article. I mean, if you want to scroll down, I think there was a graphic. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm wrong. So Link is uh, the uh, other one of the other um, operators who actually or which actually is offering uh, telecommunication hubs in space so that then third party providers can use this in order to de deliver roaming worldwide. Yeah, this is like with Firefly, uh, the, the space company. In the past, it was the news of the century that we have a new space company sending out satellites or something. And now you can't remember all the names of these companies sending out uh, spaceships into outer space and launching satellite networks and all of these things. This is so mainstream, yeah? It's, it's really, you open up the Wikipedia page for satellite telecommunication providers and you get like a list with names that you have never heard of it's it's really crazy how this private industry is is booming i just thought this with firefly i think that when spacex henrique you mentioned spacex uh, and they failed a few times and i think nobody was criticizing them because they they delivered like the dream of look we can build this ourselves we don't need this magic um north american company uh, <laughs> company owned by uh, the United States. Uh, we, we can do it ourselves. And um, I think this goes away more and more now. And I think I am asking myself, at what point we start to divide up and also to, you know, take companies out of the air again, out of this out of space again, because we need to divide up what tasks are there to do. I mean, right now, the space, uh, I mean, space right now is for exploration, for science, maybe for communication, but it's very earth oriented. And I think the economic value of space right now is very limited to a few sectors, right? I mean, it's not like we're, it's, we're not using space for extremely fast transportation or which, I mean, we could potentially, and uh, I don't know, uh, again, travel somewhere else. It, most of the stuff is really earth directed and very summarized up in a few industries so i'm really excited to see at what point we see that there is a limit at, w at where we just don't need more companies <laughs> we are a capitalistic driven society i'm pretty sure the concept of uh, like companies is going to exist for a very long time and uh, on the other hand i'm very curious to see and i'm not sure if we are going to see this but when we have the mars colony and operations controlled by mars while because they are doing some mining or whatever they are doing there that the first company is going to be founded on mars or have their headquarters on mars because they are working there they have all their workers there and they're living there or then later in time have the mars colony declaring independence <laughs> and we have like an independent nation on mars <laughs> and then we are back in sci-fi world but i'm kind of sure can that we, at some point of time this is going to happen <laughs> can we not say our podcast is moon-based i mean we can buy technically area on like land on the moon oh I so what it. if we I pitch want to do in this. and we buy like one square foot one square meter of land And then we say this is the news, this is the tech review land, and therefore we base our podcast on it. I love it. I have to research I'm this. I'm in. Yes, <laughs> we are all in. <laughs> we, we will do this. <laughs> nice. Register at the headquarter, the company headquarter on Moon. Nice. Comes onto the, the agenda, to my to-do list <laughs> for tomorrow. <laughs> and now, this. And I have another article about 
Mars. <laughs> I read on space.com. In other, uh, I, I, it's, it's true. These articles are not the most exciting articles, but I wanted to take this opportunity of World Space Week to talk about everything that is happening out there right now. And one thing that happens on Mars right now is that the Ingenuity Mars helicopter had another launch. Yeah, And it's not really spectacular because it is just this flying drone and it, f and, and it uh, flew up for, um, what was it, 30 meters or something? It was 10 meters high and then flying uh, 111 meters wide and landing again and making some pictures and it was something like a like a mapping the surface and it's research that's what these helicopters um, on mars are doing right uh, checking out um, the surface on mars and uh, so it's not really spectacular but then again it is a robot on mars flying around <laughs> so for me it's very very interesting and what i liked on this article and this was one of the main reasons that i uh, that that motivated me to bring this article is that the the nasa team controlling this thing they are collecting stone samples and the uh, perseverance robot there is um, collecting rocks or what's the word abrasing rocks like cutting it off uh, the earth and so they had this incident where they tried to cut off some moon uh, moon rocks some mars rocks and they uh, they wrote the mars surface behaved in an unexpected way and so the rock was not able to cut off as expected and i really like this because i imagine these these hordes of nasa scientists and engineers planning for weeks to cut this particular stone in a particular way and then after weeks of working uh, they th their mission of uh, this month failed because the rock behaved in a unexpected way <laughs> this is usually what i do every day i'm i'm like setting up websites or configuring servers and then it takes like a week unexpected work because the system was behaving in an unexpected way and i usually feel very very dumb because this is standard technology and thousands of people are using it but because of the strange behavior i'm delayed for a week <laughs> but i see even nasa is dealing with this and this this mars rock is behaving in an unexpected way and so they have like difficulties yeah so i i love these standard nasa problems where they have to deal with unexpected rock behavior <laughs> that's it the small things the small things on mars right <laughs> damn rock I imagine how this imagine how this must look i mean all those si another scientists ask everybody talking about this right planning for weeks as you said yeah. but in <laughs> on mars right it's a shitty little drone flying around and then going back to its hub because the stone moved two centimeters <laughs> too far to the left <laughs> right right and also um like planning this mission they have these maps and they know exactly on the centimeter exactly where is the rover where is the the helicopter and then they have to time it and charge it with the with the solar panels and then it's it's flying exactly for 111 meters in a certain direction yeah it sounds so spectacular but it's a helicopter on mars <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and we talked about that in the very first article, right? Like how amazing it is, what they already calculate, what they know and how precisely all of these missions work. And then it's those small things and that makes it so relatable and I don't know, <laughs> and funny in a way. But because you say like, it's, it's, it's on Mars, it's in space, yeah. it's planned for months and then, whoops. Right, right. 
And now, this. And now I have... Okay. Is this acting in an unexpected way? That is true. Can you have the tush? Oh, I thought you'd do this. <laughs> Browser window is frozen. God damn it. Can you select the URL down in the in the in the list? No, no, I can do nothing right now. Everything is not moving. Nothing is moving. Come on, the last the la last article is the most important one. I have to. <laughs> oh my God! What a pressure! Oh, it is. Yeah. It is definitely. <laughs> I had this problem in the past, and then I clicked everywhere, and at some point of time, I it was moving posted again. Posted the link in the chat. Maybe you can open it from there, Tarek. I can try, but if my I think I have to kill the browser. One moment. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can just leave it like that and tell us about it. No, and no, no, no. I have the to... article. <laughs> no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I haven't. I, I just saw the URL I, before the, the call, and I mean, I don't know what's on the article <laughs> visible there. Browser has been restarted. Now I have to load it again in here. There we go. I can cut all of this in post. <laughs> 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 so apologies because. for the 2000 live viewers that we have right now i can't even <laughs> see how many there are because my browser just crashed so i'm blind right now <laughs> okay, nah, okay it's been 2000 or more yeah so that's why it crashed <laughs> yeah exactly let me cannot handle the traffic there we are so the final article for today is this the most important piece of news that we have today and i read on the daily star my very trusted newspaper of choice for this kind of information that Prince Philip investigated UFOs for 70 years and now the Royal X-Files could be delete, deleted, released after the Queen died. Yeah, Because now uh, Prince uh, Philip and the Queen are dead and so the, the people are talking about that these so-called British, uh, the Royal X-Files uh, should be released. Yeah? The story is that Prince Philip was very, very interested in aliens and UFOs. And this was, on the one hand, public knowledge, because it is kind of his hobby and people are very interested in the hobbies of the royals. But on the, on the, other, on the other hand, these kind of stories were kept very well hidden because the royal family does not really want the public to speculate about these weird hobbies of chasing UFOs. Yeah, But the thing is that Prince Philip had a lot of influence and a lot of um, high value sources so that um, the information that he in his research collected could be very very interesting and everything that he collected in in this direction people are of course very very interested in yeah and of course this art i wasn't sure if i should bring this um this article because uh in the daily star we can also read things like aliens are demons sent by evil powers to corrupt and feed off human passions or we are getting ready to probe uranus says nasa scientists right so it's <laughs> we should talk about this in the next uh in the next tech review yeah what what else that we have here like don't miss uh japan order citizens to take shelter underground after north korea's miss launches missile. okay i think this is actually a real headline i, I read this but <laughs> spoonbender uri geller says good aliens will reach earth first and could live in uk yeah so very very <laughs> imp important but the thing is oh my god it is actually 
known that Prince Philip had this uh, this obsession with with aliens. And so I wouldn't uh, be surprised if we could actually get some news at some point of time when there are some leaks maybe or actually some release. I, I couldn't imagine that the royal family will will willingly give out this information, but we know how WikiLeaks uh, works. At some point of time, someone will leak something and then it might be really interesting if it's just like garbage that he collected or if he actually had access to files from the royal air force because this is actually something that uh, this article says that um, he worked together with people in the royal air force and it might be that this is like uh, nsa level classified information about things that were actually unknown to the public right <laughs> but that's Super interesting I, I, it, it Yep. In the end, it's probably just like, I mean, they already delivered the perfect title for, you know, a series on any kind of streaming platform <laughs> of your choice. The Royal X Files. I mean, I would watch it. <laughs> I bet you, Tarek, would watch it as well. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, that's I, I have trust issues. I, I, I would never believe that this is all. I mean, I'm not quite sure. I mean... I'm not quite sure if we if there are actually aliens out there. This is, I think, a whole another discussion. Um, Future but, special. Um, You're not sure. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not sure. No, no, no. Because of the um, no, because of those of this filter system, right? I mean, you know it maybe uh, the paradox, Fermi paradox, that why we are alone, and I, I, it's, it's getting too deep for now. But generally, I think I I would always have issues with. Is this really everything, or is there something else, some other documentation in Area 51 that we just don't know about? Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> Definitely. And on on, I mean, you're absolutely right. On the other hand, I think technically we need to agree that there are definitely ufos in terms of unidentified flying objects there is stuff that is not identified and is not explainable it doesn't necessarily mean that all of these are aliens in the sky but in terms of things are happening and things are showing up on radar or on camera and people do not really know what it is it's unidentified yeah so in fact unidentified flying objects are existing and another article that i wanted to bring i'm not sure it was if it was last time that i found very interesting there are scientists who are claiming that the octopus is actually an alien because they are like they create these genetic what's it called family hierarchies of different species and uh, there's something special about this octopus and it does not fit into the evolutionary tree of the the sea creatures and it uh, has very very complex uh, dna and everything and so there are scientists who claim that at some point in ancient times maybe the the octopus came with an asteroid or something and like became an <laughs> earth animal yeah but it might be that this is actually an alien animal that came from outer space so if we take these theories we might actually already have aliens and ufos and everything but it might not look like we see on tv yeah? it must not be it's not necessarily like these gr small gray creatures with large black eyes or something yeah. and i at some point of time, we I'm pretty sure we are going to find extraterrestrial life, but it's going to be a MOBA or bacteria somewhere on, on like a foreign planet or a moon rock or something like that. And this is going, technically, it's going to be alien, right? Because it's life from a different body than the Earth. So I personally believe in this stuff, but I'm not sure if it's going to look like Hollywood is showing to us. <laughs> yeah, that was 
the final article that we brought today. Uh, we are way over time. As always, we had technical issues. Uh, technical issues and difficulties but it was still very very fun and i am highly motivated to do more special episodes for certain topics depending on whatever happens so maybe at some point of time uh, we are going to have something like a mobile week where we are talking about mobile technologies or another week where we are talking about tiktok <laughs> or something like that because for some reason yeah but i really really like it and it uh, will help us enormously with our seo power right <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason why we did that. <laughs> so no, thank you, Vincent and Henrico, for showing up and for uh, bringing all those amazing space topics. And uh, since we are all uh, space nerds, right, Vincent? <laughs> we we are very, very looking forward to the next I World am. Space Week. I am. You've been to my place. Yeah, I, I am a nerd. I, I, I think never, ever before somebody really tried to be a nerd, right? <laughs> like saying, I am a nerd, believe me. I yeah. love the fact that you were offended by not being called a nerd. <laughs> That's good. That's how it should be. Yeah, I mean, nerd. I thought that you guys know me. Honestly, I thought that you guys know me well enough to know that I I have a passion for those things. I just forgot my merch in the car. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know that you have the passion, but you're not showing it proudly. <laughs> <laughs> the next time we have a topic i will be over the top i challenge you when we do i decided when we do mobile week i expect you to show up in all of your nasa gear <laughs> or something other mobile i don't know nokia uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> no uh, but in, yeah thank you very in much Enrique's plane sorry yeah right yeah, you can you can fly us to our acre of moon land that we are going to buy <laughs> and claim our headquarters on. Sure. On your Already space plane. Already an acre. What what else is coming next? <laughs> let's yeah, see. Let's yeah, buy I, a moon, uh, let's buy a, a hill. Yes, a mountain. The Perfect. thing is, the things we are laughing about these things. But if I'm going to start googling, you know, there's all kinds of weird things out there so i'm not sure if, if it might already be possible to register a company on moon oh, or I something like that. that but buy you could buy a place that we know for sure the thing is i mean we are already over time but we can actually talk about these things because there is this international space treaty there is actually something like uh like uh, regulations and governmental uh, agreements about uh, property in space and according to this we can't by a piece of moon because these celestial bodies they are not in possession of anyone so nobody can buy it but still if you go online there are people selling you like an acre of land on the moon so these things are happening somewhere in this legal gray area and so it's, it's really really interesting to read about what is possible to do so and if there is somewhere a gray area where we can register a company on, on moon or mars i think we should do this <laughs> just to try out to see what happens i want to have like a postal address on, on on the mars but then do we need to do like space taxes because I really want to keep using, this is not an advertising, but I really want to keep using TaxFix, which is just <laughs> for private people. And uh, I don't want to jump over to Viso, which is really annoying. Mars edition. <laughs> yes. And then I don't know, like, where is your company registered? I can't find Mars service. How can, I, can you help me? It's actually... <laughs> South Pole. Did you did you know where? <laughs> yeah, now it's now it's opening up Google. Okay, we're in. We're in. But, but I I don't remember Dart mission. When you Google for this, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I this happens. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> nah. What? In yeah. terms of, you Google for weird things and weird things are happening. And that's, so So I promise, I promise I'm going to Google for registering a company on, on Mars and let's see what we are going to find. It's, it's going to be glorious. This is the cliffhanger now to the next uh, uh, space special episode. Check, check us out in two weeks to find out how we go, how, how with what planet we went. It's not <laughs> Neptune. We can tell you that, and everything else will be in our next episode. <laughs> right, streaming live from Uranus. See you there. <laughs> Uri Geller said so. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode and for that we here at Tech Review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope this new episode was valuable for you and if it was, please give us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening to us right now. Share this episode with others who could also like it. Do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes? Don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media. We hope you'll be back for the next episode.